Welcome to the Amplifier Podcast, the show where the best in business discuss how you can grow your business best. I'm Wyatt McPherson, I produce this show, and today I will be speaking with our regular host, Don Cooper, about his newest book and collaboration with Dean Jackson, Breakthrough DNA, The Industrial Code. In this episode, Don will walk us through the first four out of eight profit activators and how they can greatly increase your potential business both in the short term and in the long term by utilizing these profit activating steps. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the second half of this episode, though you can always also visit us at amplifierx.com industrial code to download your free copy of the book. But with all of that said, let's get into this episode. Breakthrough DNA, the industrial code. Uh, Dean Jackson with Don Cooper, a long-awaited partnership, especially with something on the industrial side of things. Can you tell us what exactly this book is and who exactly it's for and what it can do to help an industrial-minded business? Yeah, well, the book is intended to help entrepreneurial companies in the B2B space. And, you know, we target it, you know, or we speak in examples around how it can be applied to construction and industrial suppliers and entrepreneurs. But, you know, I, I would say the eight profit activators and the methodology behind it is a framework for how any entrepreneurial business should just think about their company. Most people get focused on we get focused on our own emotional connection to our business. And I know in my earlier book, I talked about, you know, about sameness and the need for differentiation and the fact that we don't really understand why we're different and why we're valuable. This book helps someone understand how to create a unique value in their business by thinking about their business not you know with their emotional connection to their brand and their belief about why they're valuable but thinking about it like it's three separate units that are designed to give your customer a great experience throughout from the minute that they hear about you all the way through a lifetime relationship and so helping you frame your thinking around your business using breakthrough dna now gives you a blueprint a DNA sort of sequence of the things that you can do to attract great customers, to educate and nurture them, to, you know, to, to end up doing business with them and not treating it transactionally, but treating every, every customer like there's a lifelong relationship and then giving you the map of the things that you should be doing to make sure that that happens so that the customer, your client keeps coming back because the, the true value of your client is in the relationship where they're going to come back for years. You're their who for when, for, for who exactly who they go to when they have exactly, they have a need for what you do. Right. And there's, I mean, an, an immense amount of value in something like that for when somebody thinks of a problem that they're having or they're having, or currently having an issue and there's not even a question to who they're going to call. It's just, it's just you. That, that yeah, exactly. If you know you want you want your clients and your potential clients to to immediately think of your company and you when they have when 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 they get that prompt of oh, I need a solution for this whatever whatever it is you do it doesn't matter if you are a commercial builder or you're uh, like our industrial business, we provide uh, leak prevention, leak repair, modification and inspection services inside of pressurized systems. It could be an inspection company, an electrical company. You could be, um, you know, a B, any, any B2B space, including, you know, and it doesn't have to be industrial. These, this DNA blueprint of how you should think about structuring your business for attracting and retaining customers can apply to a law office or to, um, you know, to uh, an accountant's office, to an engineering firm, uh, you know, you name it. If you interact with clients, particularly in the B2B space for what our experience is, but even in the B2C space, this, this blueprint is applicable to any business. And the reason it is, is it's not relying on your product and your service it has a fundamental, much like DNA, it has a fundamental truth because all business is not business to business or business to consumer, it's human to human. And so when you think about business like it's humans dealing with humans, 
one set of humans has a solution, another set of humans has a need to, for something to be solved. And how do you structure the way that you attract, educate, uh, make offers, deliver great service and nurture a relationship long-term uh, with a system that you can plug into is really why this is so valuable for, for any company. And within there, before you mentioned the three units that are a part of this, the first one being the before unit. And within that, there are three profit activators. Uh, can you tell us a bit about profit activator number one uh, to narrow your focus and select one target at a time? You've got a customer, a client, and think about any client out there in the world today, either ones that you have today or clients that you would love to have, your dream clients. From the client's perspective, now we often can get caught up in how our businesses are organized by department. Someone does sales or marketing, someone does operations, someone does purchasing, someone does logistics. All of that stuff is to facilitate one thing, which is to give the customer a great experience throughout the entire process of working with you so they keep coming back. And the best way to think about your business is not all of these functional departments, but think about it from the point of view of you know, the phases of how you work with the client. And so the way that we suggest people think about the way they work with a client are all of the things you do before they become a client, meaning before they buy from you, there's the before unit. That is a set of tools and ways of doing business that are going to attract and get those customers to eventually do business with you. Then you've got another phase when, the, when your client is doing business with you, you are helping them solve something. And that's called the dooring unit. And there are certain things that you should be doing inside of that to give the customer a great experience and a great outcome so that you know what you promised in the before unit is delivered. And then finally, there's the after unit. And this is where many companies really struggle and don't really uh, do this well. Is after you've solved the, the client's problem, whatever that is, how do you give them great, a great experience afterwards so that they keep coming back and they refer their friends and family because you gave them a you know, a wow experience. And so you want to think about your client, your customer or your business from your customer's experience standpoint of before they do business with you, while they're doing business with you or during and after they do business with you in that particular solution so that they keep a relationship with you long-term. So that's, that's the very first thing about breakthrough DNA is to rethink your business away from departments and Think about it from the before, during, and after unit. And, 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 under, and when you do that, what you come to realize and what you can help your staff and your team realize is that everyone is involved in, in making your business successful from a revenue and profit standpoint. Um, I always say uh, to my teams that you are either in... This, you know, you are either in, inside of a company, there's only two roles, sales and people who support sales, because everything that you do in the company is designed to sell what you do. And the way that you do that and grow and be successful is by making sure that you're taking care of your client in the most, you know, in the best way possible. So they keep coming back. So as you start working through the industrial code, breakthrough DNA, you want to think about structuring the mindsets in your company and in the systems as before, during, and after. And then within that, there are eight things, eight particular DNA sequences that you need to be applying to make that a reality for your client. Profit activator number one in the before unit is select a single target market one at a time. Now, when I talk to clients about this, they initially, I mean, we all approach our business, think about our business somewhat uh, with pride and, and, may, and, may, and, and maybe egocentrically of why you should buy from us, right? Well, the problem with that is that when you, uh, when you think about why you should buy from us and you are 
you're blasting out to the world, buy from our company, then you, you risk the chance of being so wide that a huge part of your potential customers on the whatever the message is today might not resonate with them because you're not focusing your messaging on, on them, on the audience, on, 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 on your potential client. And every, every single business out there has more than one customer persona, more than one avatar. So you think about a type of client that's out there. There are either one or a bundle of services that you have that are targeted to a specific type of customer and, you know, in terms of what they want solved. Now, yes, your company can do 15 different things, but if you are not being not honing in on one single target market at a time, you may be communicating to all and no one gets the message of why you're different and valuable because they may be hearing about a part of your business that doesn't interest them. And then you, you actually create a familiarity bias in the, in the minds of the people who hear your message that says, I heard what, what, what you had to say, that doesn't interest me. And so we have to take off of our pride and our sort of egocentric belief that our business is awesome and think about what is it that we do that is awesome for this group of people and then pick that group and then craft your messaging and your, your system of delivery around making sure that you attract them. And so, you know, almost every company out there has more than one type of client. So you could be in the valve business. And if all, if all of your messaging is about all the 27 ways that you can uh, help customers with valves, there's a chance that the people who are only, who only care about valve repair don't care about the fact that you have a warehouse of 10,000 valves. And so you want to think about it from a single target market, from your customer's point of view, and that, that helps you hone in and, and really focus your messaging on those different groups. So when you're picking a single target market, it does not mean I'm only going to be trying to attract one market at a time. It really means put your mind in the framework of the client, the persona of a particular group that some part of your business solves that's uniquely different than what other parts of your business solve, and then make that a, a target that I want to sell to people who work on piping on turnarounds, or I want to sell to people who are only focused on maintenance and keeping the plant running while it's live. Those two, even though it's the same facility and people might think, well, that's the customer and I'm, I'm the supplier. Those are two very different people who care about very different things and care about and have very different things they need solved. And so you're segmenting what you do that is, and, and so you're, you're focusing your messaging on how you can help the turnaround team or the maintenance team, which, which is different than the inspection team in, in a facility. And, 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 you know, that's very different than someone who is fabricating or someone who is building modules. Each one of those, um, each one of those different single target markets have similar but very different motivations and needs for what they're trying to accomplish. We want to be communicating in a way that speaks to them, not speaks about us. And so picking those single target markets is so important. And yet the pitfall that most companies do is they do a whole lot of chest pounding about how great they are, about their name, about their brand. And their messaging is all about them when it should be about that customer. It should be about that group of people on a turnaround or that group of people who are running a fabrication shop. And when you do that, and you can put your, you can start thinking about who that customer is, 
what they care about, what they want solved, and what is it that we do inside of our business that helps them solve it. And now you can start to package up and communicate the things that are most valuable and different for helping that that particular group of people, which is, you know, some of the products might be the same, but the experience and the way that it's executed and the way that it's combined together are often very different because they have very different motivations of what they're trying to solve, what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it is a uh, an impressively um, constant phenomenon that's discussed within marketing groups, marketing podcasts and stuff of people who have, have companies who put way too much money into say um, a radio ad, or I don't know who's still, I don't know who's using radio ads at this point, but um, into a banner ad on the internet that is not exactly targeted. They're going through Google and it's going out to literally everyone. They're broadcasting their business to hundreds of thousands of people and expect that the right people will just find it. We all experience this a lot, right? I mean, most people who start a business, particularly in the construction and the industrial space, are experts at what they do, and they have a really great understanding of their business and how they can help everyone. And, you know, and it's psychologically, it's called the curse of knowledge. And the curse of knowledge is that we're great at these 27 things, and we're the best at it. And if people would just, you know, work with us, they would know that. Well, you know, what's funny is, you know, I've been in, in our space for, my entire career now, 28, 29 years. And we've got these five single target markets and we've got, you know, 20 different services and dozens of products that service those markets. But the interesting thing is when I look at my clients, there's not very many of them that buy more than three or four of the thing, the service lines that we do, even though they might need it. Or they might, or it might help them solve something, and it's because the, you know what what happens when we broadcast out to the world. And I, we used to broadcast and uh, you know go to trade shows and just talk about all the things we do, uh, or you know whatever other traditional methods are out there. And the vast majority of your clients don't know how you can help them, because we have the curse of knowledge that we know everything about how we can help them. And we just think, well, if you bought one thing from us, you know everything that we do. And I can guarantee you that any one of your, any one of our listeners' clients probably only knows a small fraction about how you can help because our messaging was too much in the, in the traditional sense, you know, broadcasting. Now, you, you mentioned, you know, a radio ad. And, you know, and there are people, I'm sure, who use radio, and uh, I don't know if, how well that works or not, but I mean, when you turn on the radio, at, at the very best, you're, you're not targeting a single target market. You, you might be targeting a demographic of all the people in a geographic area who listen to that radio, you know, in the ages of X and Y, but you don't, it's not, it's not, it's not very targeted. For many, many years, you know, if you think about traditional marketing, advertising, whether it's putting an ad in the newspaper or yellow pages or, or uh, a TV ad, you know, you see the Super Bowl ads that are all about the product. Those types of, of activities are very expensive and they're very ineffective unless you're a really big brand and you're trying to target, you're trying to promote your brand. You're not trying to focus on who you want to buy of a particular solution that you have. And so for most businesses, broadcasting is not a great way to attract clients, but we have all been trained through the last 40 years, 50 years that marketing is broadcasting, that we think we somehow need to emulate that. And that is uh, an exercise in, in, throwing money in a money pit that doesn't re- produce any results and it doesn't attract the right kinds of customers. 
Yeah, 100%. It, there are ways, there are plenty of ways out there to be able to target um, exactly what it is that you're looking for. And I like that you mentioned the the money pit, because when it does come to any of those types of uh, broadcasting um, advertisements, even online for a lot of uh, banner ads that are very general, it's really, really expensive to do. And it does not yield uh, positive results. But the, the classic mind of people is, well, I'm putting $10,000 into it, it must be, must be good. You know, when for a lot less, you can get a lot more with uh, something far more targeted to exactly what you want, which does bring us into the second profit activator pretty well um, to use direct response offers to compel prospects to call you. So reaching out to them and instead of, uh, you know, cold calling, cold emailing them, actually uh, engaging with them and getting them to interact with you first. Um, can you give us a little bit more about uh, what exactly that means and why it's so effective? compelling clients or potential prospective clients to call you means, you know, effectively getting them to identify themselves. They don't necessarily need to pick up the phone and say, Hey, I want to talk right now, but it's putting something, you know, one of my friends, uh, Jason Flavelin says, if you have something of value, you should put information in front of it that attracts the right kinds of people. So, if you, you know, and I'll, I'll use some examples of some of our clients and some of our friends. If you have a, a capability to inspect corrosion on your insulation with a new technology, the, one of the greatest ways to, to, uh, to attract the right kinds of people is to provide a solution to that problem in the form of information. And so, you know, my friend who does that, he wrote a book. Uh, that I, I, I guided him on that that was all about the hidden miracle of electromagnetic inspection. And, you know, a great way to, if you really want to hone in on a single target market, you know, that book would be called, you know, how to find CUI quickly. Right. And then, and, and what's powerful about that is, you know, people who aren't, who don't care about corrosion or under insulation are not going to, are not going to, ask for that book. They're not going to buy that book. They're not going to download that book. But every single person who grabs the how to solve corrosion under insulation book are instantly, you know, that they are the people you want to talk to. Similarly, we have uh, a, another company that we work with who help eliminate hot work on tank repair. And so their book is, is called you know, how to avoid tank downtime. Why is that valuable? Well, you know, when I grew up in industrial sales and in B2B sales, uh, and I think a lot, of, a lot of companies who are out there today, they hire salespeople even more so than, than having effective marketing. And they hire salespeople and say, go find us business. And the salespeople go out and knock on doors and they try to, you know, figure out who works inside of the refinery or the power plant or, you know, who is in, in my target uh, audience of facilities or, or contracting companies. And it's, it's like searching for a needle in a haystack of, I have 20 products and I'm going to go talk to this engineer or this turnaround person or that, that maintenance manager. And I hope that I say something about something that I do that is going to get them to want to talk to me. You know, and it's effectively cold calling because you are not using any information about what they need to solve to, to focus that in. So you can imagine in Canada and the United States, there are tens of thousands of industrial facilities and probably several hundred thousand construction and maintenance type companies, all of which might use what you need or might, ha might have a need for what you have. And you've got to go try to find them. Well, why not attract them by putting out great information about something that you can solve for them? Not the product, but what, you know, mo most, most people don't care about the product. You know, when when you go as a, as a, you go to a hardware store, uh, most of us, I mean, there are some, some people out there who care about this, but when you go to a hardware store to buy a drill, you're, you're not trying to solve the need for a drill. 
what you're trying to solve when you buy a drill is you have a need for a hole. And so the solution that people need is I need to drill a hole. We need to focus our messaging on what, what our clients are trying to accomplish, not on what our product is. I mean, in, in my book, The Industrial Sales Solution, we talked about the value pyramid. And um, the lowest level of value is the product or the service. The next level is the experience. And then the next level up is the outcome. Well, all customers ultimately want something solved. They want an outcome. And so if, in Profit Activator number two, if you compel people to identify themselves, you can help take the 200,000 people who might need a drill at some point at some time and hone it down to the 500 or 1,000 people that say, hey, you know, how to use a drill more effectively today is a great way to, 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 to find those needles in the haystack rather than putting human capital on it to knock on doors, annoy people, make a ton of phone calls, and, and then have this exercise in trying to figure out what they care about when if you have really good uh, identification with valuable information, they'll self-identify. And that's way more valuable for both you and that potential client, because if, if they're raising their hand and saying, I care about eliminating tank downtime, then you have now helped do one simple thing. You have taken all of the people who are unknown to you and you've helped them become identified as known to you. And now you can focus your next step in, in the process on just communicating with those 500 people who said, I want to eliminate tank downtime. Yeah, an extremely uh, powerful thing. Um, in your earlier example, you were saying that uh, in, a, in a typical scenario, you know, you're, you, you hope that you get your foot in the door and then you hope that you find the right people and then you hope that you say the right things. But if you're getting out there and they're, and as soon as they self-identify themselves, you, you've eliminated all of that need for all hoping. That. It's gone. Yeah, I mean, if, if you have someone, I mean, you know, I wrote a book called uh, The Turnaround Optimizer Process, how to, how to uh, reduce your costs and specialty services by 50% with no injuries. Now, the book itself is valuable. It talks about our process for optimizing turnarounds in the specialty services space. Now, I could put all my salespeople out trying to cold call on anyone that looks like, feels like, and sounds like they're in the turnaround space. And that's, you know, in, you know, in North America, I, I can guarantee you that's tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people, you know, and, and then, then once you, once you find them and they say, yeah, I do turnarounds. Now you've got to get them interested in your unique process and how you can create value. And so even if you get them to talk to you, there's a bunch of them who don't care. Right. So, you know, the business is about trying to find people who want what you offer, not about pushing what you have on anyone who will buy. And there's a lot more value in helping, helping filter down the 100,000 people to the 1,000 or to the 500. You know, in some services of some of our listeners, if they had 50 new customers, their lives would change. They had 10 new customers, their lives could change, their business could change. And so profit activator number two about compelling your prospects to identify themselves is just that. It helps you filter down from the hundreds of thousands of unknown people who, who are out in that universe of potentials to the people who raise their hand and say, I care about tank downtime. That, 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 that helps you and them really, it helps you identify people who need something solved and it allows you to focus all of your time and energy on helping that group of people who have effectively said, I care about that topic. Once you have began to find these people, that would bring us into the third profit activator being to patiently and systematically educate and motivate prospects to meet you when they are ready. So going on from the idea of them self-identifying to then them saying, I'm ready to meet you, which kind of, again, goes a little bit 
against the uh, what would norm what would be normal for a lot of companies, which would be to request meetings with people rather than have them say, "I would like to meet with you." So, can you tell us a little bit more about why exactly uh, it's um, it is ideal to go with this uh, this sequence for it? Educating and motivating your 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 newly identified prospects to meet with you when they're ready is really important. So, there was a huge study across six thousand companies in dozens of industries and what they found was that when someone's identified as interested in a product or solution only about 15 percent of them actually buy what it is that they showed interest in 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 the first 90 days of that happening and so 85 percent of them don't buy right away but more than 50% of that whole of all customers who say I'm interested in that buy in the first buy something from that you know to solve that issue in the, you know in that in an 18 month period and so how you need to think about your customers once they identify themselves or your prospects once they identify themselves is they're not yes or no customers they're not you know in salespeople and a lot of businesses think about Hey, they were interested. Are they going to buy yes or no? And we all get, you know, with all of the internet and with email and with all the ways that we can get harassed by people, the the companies who harass us, they all have this, you know, trigger of, Hey, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And, you know, and and I, eventually it becomes annoying because, Hey, you know, just leave me alone. I, I was interested in learning about that new Dyson, you know, a vacuum cleaner. That doesn't mean I want to buy one today. It doesn't mean I can buy one today. And it doesn't mean I'm going to take action. But I probably will. There's a probability that I'm going to deal with buying a new vacuum sometime in the foreseeable future. Statistically, 50% of us do within 18 months of that initial interaction. So the whole world out there treats customers we're, we live in this instantaneous world in terms of how we think the world works but it doesn't really work that way so it's not yes or no it's now or not now now not now doesn't mean never it means later so th- there isn't a yes or no it's a yes soon and probably later but you shouldn't ignore either one of those groups because the people who are not now customers who don't buy in that first 30, 60, 90 days, there's a huge, a number of them who will eventually have what have a need for what you have in the next 18 months. And if you ignore them, then you're ignoring 85% of your potential business. And so what educate and nurturing means is that um, you, you stay in touch with those people, you communicate little nuggets of value about teaching them more about your product or service or having them think differently about the problems they're facing, thinking about value and thinking about what the costs are to not do it, giving them, you know, depending on the audience, people sometimes care about the solution, some people care about the specifications, some people want want pictures to understand how something works. Some people want to process all of those are little pieces of education that gradually motivates people to take action, knowing that they're not going to take act. You know, the vast majority of them are not going to buy from you today, uh, but they are likely uh, at least 50% of them will likely buy from you after they've expressed interest and identify themselves within 12 or 24 months. Um, And so you need a system for leaving breadcrumbs and keeping in touch without being harassing. You shouldn't, uh, you know, I know for me personally, there are so many companies out there who really fail at this. And some of them are huge enterprise companies. You, you, You find them on LinkedIn or Facebook or Google search, and they get you to identify yourself because... Um, you put in your email address and download it, you know, some white paper, some PDF, and because you're interested in reading it, clearly you are interested in the topic, 
because you downloaded it. That doesn't mean that I want a phone call from their sales rep in 3.7 minutes from now. We don't want to be harassed. I think we as humans, we hate to be sold, but we all love to buy. And we're all going to buy at our own pace whenever we're ready, not when the salesperson wants to push us. Um, and in, in fact, I think we do, a lot of companies do a lot of harm by trying to push, push, push. We, we want to we make sure people are ready. I mean, our Gardner Research did a study and the world has changed so much. You know, when I first got into this space, there was, this will date me a little bit, but when I first got into this space, there was no internet. It didn't exist. It, it didn't, you know, the internet really didn't start to become publicly available until 1994, 1995. That's when websites started to explode. And so, you know, for many people in this space, and there's lots of entrepreneurs who've been in, in, in their businesses for more than 20 years, um, and lots of salespeople out there who have been, who are veterans. But our role as brokers of information has changed. 20, 25 years ago, when a customer reached out to you from a sales point of view, wanting to understand about inspection equipment or about a welding process or about legal advice or whatever it was, it was because you were the expert and they were reaching you because they wanted education. They wanted to know more so they could make an educated decision about how they needed to move forward. You, you were the, before the internet, anyone who was in sales or running a business was the source of information and our value was in the information. Well, that's totally changed since, you know, over that, over the last two decades, any customer out there today that has any need for anything can go on to into, uh, onto their mobile device that's in their pocket, do a Google search or watch a YouTube video and find out 2,700 ways to solve that problem. And so as businesses, we are from a, from a how we interact with customers standpoint, we're not the brokers of secret information anymore in a lot of ways. So what Gardner Research has found through their corporate executive board research was that most clients, and you know, when I say clients, I'm a client, you're a client, we all buy stuff, but most consumers um, have been educated and motivated to make a decision before they reach out to a salesperson, before the salesperson and them connect. As a matter of fact, Gardner says that the... The, the buying customer is 70% of the way down the path of making a decision on what they, on what they want, not necessarily what they need, but certainly what they want before they engage with your company. And so you need to understand as a business to take advantage of that. Now you can, if you choose, you can leave the educating and nurturing of all of your prospects up to Google. And, uh, you know, Google makes a lot of money uh, helping people decide what information they're going to give you, right? I mean, there's uh, Google ads is a really big business and, you know, there's search engine optimization and there's a whole industry um, of how you can take advantage of Google searches to get your name, your product, your service at the top of the list, just from the point of view of educating and nurturing the people who type in valve repair or leak repair or hot tapping or, or inspection services or accounting or bankruptcy services for that matter. Every company, you know, Google controls that market. So does Facebook. You can, you know, all of those big uh, companies are now brokers of information. But how do you take advantage of that in a different way? Well, if you put out really high quality, valuable information, like a book or like a really comprehensive video um, so that it's easy for people to get and easy for them to identify themselves, well, then the next step is you don't rely on Google to educate and nurture your people, your prospects who have identified themselves. You do it. 
And you do it by providing them with valuable content, valuable insights about you know, the, the solutions that you have, the things that you can solve for them in a systematic way that is not about pushing anything. You're not asking them to buy now. It is authentically intended to be the, the, the messages in the form of whether it's email or text or videos or audio and podcasts, whatever it is that you create, it should be authentically valuable with the intent of educating your, your, your customer base and motivating them to take action whenever they're ready. And if you do that, then you take advantage of the 85% who don't buy now, but will buy at some point if you stay in touch and you're allowing them to buy as opposed to trying to push them to, you know, trying to sell them before they're ready. You know, we, we all have things we want to solve. Sometimes we don't want to do it today, but I would, and I, and we experience this in our lives every single day, just in our own homes. You know, someday I'd like to upgrade my kitchen. Someday I would like to uh, build a new deck, but it doesn't mean now, but it doesn't mean I'm not interested. So if I was in the business of building uh, awesome decks, I wouldn't focus just my attention on who's going to buy a, a deck right now. I would focus my attention on all the people who are interested in buying decks. Some of those, 15% of those people will, will want to buy now or this season. Some might not buy till next summer, but we should be staying in touch with all of those people all this summer and all winter. So when they're ready next spring, who do they think of? They think of us. And they think of us in a different way because one, we have taken advantage of the law of familiarity and now they're familiar with they connect us with the solution they need solved when they want to do it and there is um, a another phenomenon called reciprocity that when we're the ones who've provided them with all the insight when we're the ones who provided them with all of the education when they're ready they now have a connection with us that they're much more likely to buy from us than anybody else. And that's, that's the massive power of education-based sales and marketing as opposed to door knocking and cold calling is it, it allows the customer to be the one to say, hey, I'm ready. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible thing. Um, and I like the way you put it with education, calling it education-based because it is a thing that happens uh, often for us. We will we'll get responses to our emails that go out to people or we'll get messages on social saying, you know, hey, love the content, love what you're doing, love what you're putting out there. And I would be willing to bet that it is, it is less than 5% of companies that would ever get a message like that because yeah. for the most part, it's... It's harassment, not on our part, um, not what we do, um, but on what most companies end up doing. When you're blasting out to the world, you know, buy from us, buy now, we're awesome, we're great. None of that's about the customer. You want, your, you want all of your messaging to be valuable from the point of view of the person receiving it so that, you know, not everyone is ready to build a new deck for their house today. Not everyone is ready to do a freeze plug today, or not everyone needs a leak repair job today. If we're communicating with them and we're helping them, if, if they've already identified themselves that they are, they care about online repairs, you know, educating and nurturing that relationship, there's a bond that happens. There's a trust that happens because we are genuinely try, you know, doing our best to create value. And whenever they have that need, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that when one of our, in our industrial business, one of our, um, one of our clients or prospects who are, are getting our education-based uh, messages springs the leak, uh, they're, I'm certain they're thinking of us. And I'm also certain that there's a high probability that they're going to call us. And I'm also certain that there's already a level of trust built because we have spent the time to tell them what the options are, what the best choices are, what to avoid, what to look for, how to make that decision. 
in a in a genuine way whether you know and if 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 at the end of the day they don't buy from us and they buy from someone else i i, I still feel that we're giving value because they're going to be able they'll be way better armed to ask good questions make better decisions and solve the problems that they need solved because every business exists to solve someone else's problem every single business it doesn't matter what business you're in if if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a restaurant or a bar or you're a hairstylist or a massage studio or you're a welding shop or a heat exchanger manufacturer, you exist to solve your customer's problem. Now, if you're a hairstylist, the problem you're solving is a bad hair day and you solve it. If you manufacture heat exchangers or, or heat exchanger bundles and uh, the problem you're solving is a customer has a busted heat exchanger and they need to replace it. But all business happens with someone has a problem and someone can solve it. And the best way to help them is to educate them on how to make that decision on what their choices are. And that's why I really love education-based marketing. Profit Activator number three is we, we put a lot of time and effort into that in all the aspects of our, our companies. And and I think most people don't put any thought into it. It's it's a bizarre thing that you end up seeing with a lot of them because it's also sometimes influenced by the platforms themselves. You mentioned Facebook and Google. They, of course, want your advertising dollars and they will in turn put out the advertisements. You have to build them and everything. The example that you used of freeze plugs, if you put out um, any type of marketing for freeze plugs and you put a big buy now button on it, it's going to do <laughs> pretty much nothing because who needs one right now? That's a, that's a perfect example of a, a, a not now business, right? 99% yeah. of people who buy a freeze plug from us or anybody else likely, you know, only need one once every two or three or four years for that one individual. So 99% of the time they're a not now customer, but when they need it, they need it now. And they go from not now to now. You don't, you don't want to be in the, give me a price for a freeze plug business. You want to be in the business of for the last two years throughout our, our nurturing and our education-based marketing, they have learned about freeze plugs. They have learned how they can use it. They have learned what they need to do, what they shouldn't do. They learn about safety in freeze plugs. They learn about training in freeze plugs. They learn everything that we can possibly share with them without having to have a whole bunch of harassing sales conversations about it and when when they pivot from not now to now they are better armed to say better call that company us hopefully and you know and for our listeners for your company when you're educating your prospects on the on what you solve and i mean occasionally it certainly can take a little bit longer in the prospecting process but the value that it creates both for the prospective clients, um, that time they will buy from you. And that information doesn't just go away. They will continue to think of you again when we see it time and time again with the way that we handle our marketing with education, where a lot of people have a traditional view on how they want to do things. And that is the way they, they go into it thinking, this is the one way I want to do it. And I need to find someone for it. Well, there's a lot of companies out there that offer new and innovative uh, technologies and processes that are different that they may not even know about yet. And through those, potentially you can end up with, whether it's a bigger sale or more smaller ones down the line, they'll continue to think of you and continue to come back. It is a unique way of doing things, but uh, it has proven to work extremely well. But speaking of unique, um, coming into the fourth profit activator, once uh once you've once they've identified and once they are you're you're in the process of trying to get them to raise their hand for a meeting, you're looking to present your unique service uh, offer in a way that makes it easy to get started. Which which may sound like an obvious thing you want for everything to be easy. And I know that you can speak to this even more from a behavior design perspective, but you want to make things as easy as possible um, for people to be able to get started, for clients to be able to learn more and get started with you. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about Profit Activator number four? You know, Profit Activator number four, as you said, is is making offers and making it easy for them to start with you. And the word in there is easy. I, I've trained with uh, Dr. B.J. Fogg from Stanford University, and I'm, I'm, I'm trained in his, um, his, his uh, behavior design process. 
and I call it the action formula. And you know, in in the in that action formula, and, and, and BJ spent his life understanding how people take action for anything. And and there's a simple formula, and that formula is B. You know, the behavior it doesn't matter what it is. It could be filling out a behavior-based observation or choosing to call you. That behavior happens when three things coincide. It's a, the action formula. They're, they need to be motivated to do so. Uh, motivation, as we just spoke about, we're trying to educate and motivate people to take action. Well, you need to have motivation to take action. Now, uh, motivation can be high or low, but, and I'll share with you how action happens. The next thing is ability. Now, ability is, you know, do they have the ability to take action? Are you, and an ability is really considered, and, you know, I'll go into a, a much deeper conversation on all the different ways that you can make ability to take action easier or hard. And there's five different types of ways you can think about behavior in something called the ability chain. But in the simplest form, the ability to take action is either easy or hard. Now, so you've got motivation. If you think about motivation on, on a vertical axis and the ability to take action on the horizontal axis, now when you add in the third element, it's what's going to determine whether they act or not. And that's called a prompt. Now, a prompt can be, you know, you know, it's asking them to take action. It's there's and there's a variety of ways that people are prompted to take action. Some people can remember to take action. Some people can um, be reminded to take action. Some you can, you know, a prompt. And we're used to tons of prompts in the world today. We get email notifications and we get click here and we get, uh, you know, but prompts can be an alarm on your phone. Prompts can be a sticky tab that you, a sticky note uh, that you stick on your monitor to remind you to call your mom. Any action happens when three things coincide. The right level of motivation, the right level of ability, and a prompt happens that is that makes it happen. And if motivation is too low and the ability is too hard, then if you think about a curve, a bell curve on that vertical line and whatnot, it's called the action line. And if the prompt happens on the bottom inside of the action line, then the behavior won't happen. Meaning, you know, if, you're, if you prompt someone to take action and their motivation is low and you've made it too hard and you prompt them saying, hey, call me now, then they won't act. But if you prompt them and the prompt happens on the intersection of ability and motivation where ability is high enough and the, uh, sorry, the motivation is high enough and the ability is easy enough and you prompt them, they're on the positive side of the action line and whatever it is you're prompting them to do, they will take action. And so I'm going to have a whole series on that, on the, the action formula that I'll share in other videos. But when it comes to uh, profit activator number four, it's about making it easy and making it clear that after you've educated and motivated someone to take action, uh, educated and motivated them on your product, and, you, and now you want to make them offers, you want to make it so simple and clear on how they get ready, uh, how they can work with you, that it just feels natural because you're, and the key there is making the ability easy to do and initiating the prompt. Well, the prompt could be a simple email. The email might say, Don, are you ready to start working with us on, uh, on eliminating hot work? That's a prompt. Um, it could be inside of your education and motivation, giving them easy ways to reach you. You know, on all of my, all of my email signatures for how I communicate with everyone, I've, I've got a, I've got the, I've got what I call progressive actions that people can take. What I, how I want people to think about it, you know, salespeople often will walk up to a prospect, they hunt them down, they harass them to talk to them, and then they say, "Hey, buy from me, would you please?" It, it's kind of like walking up to your future partner in life 
and you're in a coffee shop and you see that handsome gentleman or that beautiful girl and you go, I'd like to introduce myself. Well, you don't walk up to them and say, hi, my name is Don. Would you like to get married and have kids? But that's what many salespeople do. Hi, my name is Don. Buy from me. Well, if you, if you educate and motivate them, and then from uh, making it easy for them to take action, remember, if people are in, are in a, a not now state, but they're open to being educated and motivated, then every one of them are going to cross that line of their level of commitment to the next step at a different level. So some people might go all the way and say, I'd like to meet with you to talk about a piece of business. Some people might not want to meet with you. Meet, you know, when you ask anyone to meet with you, it, it instantly creates anxiety if they're not ready. And so someone else might simply want to be able to ask you a question risk-free without being harassed. Some people might want just a little more information. They might want to watch a video or they may want to grab a new piece of content that helps them make a decision. We have a tool called the scorecard that just helps people think about their problem from a total solution image standpoint, and then they may move forward. And they're progressive calls to action in the same way that, that um, you would form a relationship with someone new. You first meet them, you get them to identify themselves and you identify yourself. You have a conversation over coffee for 30 seconds. Eventually you might decide to have dinner. Then you might meet some friends and family. Eventually you get engaged, then you get married and then you have kids. I mean, that's how relationships organically form with us humans. We're social, we're social. And we make those decisions in a progressive way that seems to make sense and equally it requires a prompt you know you don't get your first date unless you ask you don't go to meet the parents unless one of you asked the other to do it you don't get married unless someone got down on one knee and so what dr fogg has figured out in his formula in the action formula is that you need to make it easy for someone to take the action that you want them to take and you need to give them a prompt. And so the uh, profit activator number four is about having easy ways for the customer to move forward, to make them offers to take action with you that makes sense for them and to make it a pain-free experience. And you know, you've also gotta be their guide. So a salesperson in this mode should have several different ways that the customer can progressively take action towards interest and opportunity and um, deeper conversation. The salesperson should have, have an, a consultive approach of where are they today? Are you a now or not now customer? How can I help you understand what you need to understand to take action? And have a less of less of sales tactics and more about curiosity and asking lots of questions most most salespeople think that their job is to do a lot of talking in profit activator number 4 you let the customer have a variety of options on how to take action and when it finally comes to conversation our job as salespeople is, is what I call ICU, identify, identify the people who are involved in the need to cover them, to make sure that you have conversations with the right people and to understand them. And, and, and that whole process of identify, cover and understand from a sales point of view means that it's 80% about asking questions, not about giving not about giving information. If we've done our job through educating and motivating the client, we've given them tons of information for many, many months. And so what we really want to do in Profit Activator number four is, is give the customer a variety of options on how they can move forward. And when we finally have those conversations, that they are conversations and not pitches, they're not 
so many salespeople who show what I call show up and throw up uh, were just pitching everything that they can do, not really having understood what the customer's challenge is. Well, Profit Actor 8 number four is about being curious, about asking questions about what the customer needs solved and connecting the dots with how we can help. And there you have it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Amplifier Podcast. Like I said at the top of the show, uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the second half of this episode going through the other four profit activators. That will be out in exactly one week. And in the meantime, definitely head over to AmplifierX.com slash industrial dash code to pick up your free copy of the book. Make sure you leave a five-star rating on the show. It truly does help us out a lot. But with all of that said, I thank you so much again for listening to this episode of the Amplifier Podcast, and we shall see you next time.